Merry Christmas, everyone. So good to see you today. My name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I hope you'll look in your program and pull your outline out and follow along and take a few notes. We've been in this series called Major Things, and we're using this show to look at a story that's very familiar to most of us, a story that a lot of us have kind of taken for granted over the years because we're so used to it, and we wanted to look at it in a fresh way. And the truth is, the Christmas story is pretty strange. In the story, God uses strange characters and methods to accomplish his purposes. Now, in the TV show, Stranger Things, we see a band of mostly, uh, that we see that there's these evil beings, including the Gorgon and the Mind Flayer from the Upside Down, and they're trying to infect the world. They're trying to come in and take control, turn things upside down. But the truth is, in the Bible, we see that there's an evil, powerful, fallen angel named Satan who's infected this world. He's come into this world, tempted us, we've sinned, and the world is upside down. The world is not the way that God intended it to be. And in Stranger Things, we see a band of mostly teenagers, just ordinary kids who are fighting to prevent the upside down from coming. But they need help from a character named Eleven, or L, as she is called. She came to save, she's there to help save the world. She's got these powers, and she could choose to use them to help others, and she chooses to sacrifice uh, her own blood, her own self. But in, in, in real life, you know, there's a real story. That's just a fun story. But in real life, God's son, God himself, used his powers to do miracles. Jesus set aside his power when he willingly went to the cross and shed his blood to save the world and save us from our sins so that you and I could be forgiven. I mean, what kind of God does that? What kind of God sacrifices his son so that others could be saved? But because Jesus without, was without sin, he could take our place. He could go to the cross, and uh, God raised him from the dead. So if you really think about it, things don't get much stranger than the Christmas story. Look what the angel said to Joseph. Joseph, son of David. I mean, stop right there. That's just strange. You, you, how many of you had an angel talk to you this week? Pretty strange, huh? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now, I would have liked some confirmation before I got married, but God didn't give me that. I just had to, you know, go on faith in a prayer, right? For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's really strange. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet 700 years before. He said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God with us. Now, you think about it. Who would send, send their son? What God, all-powerful, almighty God come to this earth as a helpless little baby? Who would choose to save the world that way? Who would put their child at risk? Who would take that kind of risk and make that kind of sacrifice? This story has to be true. Who could make up that kind of thing? What kind of all-powerful being would leave the comfort of heaven ruling from on high, ruling over all the universe, all creation, and come down as a humble little baby. Who would do that? It's not how I would do it. Now, this t-shirt captures the strangeness of the story as Jesus entertains all our favorite superheroes with his unique story. I love that t-shirt. Why did Jesus become human? Why did he do it? Why was that so important? I mean, again, it's so strange to think about this fact. We call it the incarnation, God become flesh. God himself living as a human being, one of his created beings, fully human and yet fully God. We can't wrap our head around that. It's so strange. And what would it be like for the almighty God to come to earth as a fragile baby? 
Author Philip Yancey said it like this. Imagine for a moment becoming a baby again. Can you imagine if you were a baby again? What would that be like? Giving up language and muscle coordination and the ability to eat solid food and control your bladder? God as a fetus. Or imagine yourself becoming a sea slug. That analogy is probably closer. On that day in Bethlehem, the maker of all that is took form as a helpless, dependent newborn. And Jesus did that for me, and he did that for you. He humbled himself for us. Noted talk show host Larry King, he's interviewed thousands of people. He was asked, if you could interview one person from all of history, who would you most want to interview? And he said, Jesus Christ. And they said, well, why do you want to interview Jesus? And he said, I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. The answer to that question would define history for me. Was Jesus virgin born? Now, those of us who put our faith and trust in Christ and who believe God's word, man, the fact that Jesus is virgin born does define history for us. And it, it tells us some really important things about God and who he is. So the first thing is it, it reveals God's true nature to us. It reveals God's true nature. You know, when Jesus was with his disciples, he told them that, hey, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And many people in Jesus' day and today too, they mistakenly thought God was like this judge up in heaven, who, who, this harsh judge who was just watching us, and he only liked the, the very few who could make a, a decent attempt at keeping the law. But Jesus came to reveal God's heart to us. In Hebrews, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Can you underline that? The exact representation of his being. He's God. He's, Jesus is God. He's sustaining all things by his powerful word. And if we look at the life of Jesus who came to show us God's nature, how did he treat sinners like you and me? Jesus hung out with sinners. He hung out with the tax collectors and the drunkards. He showed us that God loves those who are lost, those who are separated from him. In fact, Jesus said that's why he came. He said he came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus shows us God's heart of love for us, no matter what we've done, no matter our past, no matter how we blow it. He loves us and he wants a relationship with us. Second, he came to show us that he understands our struggles. He understands how hard it is to try to do what's right and live in this world. He understands how hard it is to live in this sin-filled, fallen world. It's tempting to believe God couldn't possibly understand, but he spent 33-some-odd years here on earth in the flesh. He knows what it's like. He's our high priest in heaven now, representing, kind of standing between us and God, representing us, God the Father, representing us as, as our priest. And it says this in Hebrews 4, we do not have a high high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize. Can you circle or underline empathize? Man, Jesus empathizes with you and me. We have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus understands our experiences, our temptations, our struggles, our hurts, our pains. He's experienced loneliness, betrayal, hunger, sorrow, joy, and happiness, and love. Jesus felt the same emotions that we all go through, and he understands what life is like for us. He knows how hard it is, and he gets it. And the third thing is the most important of all. He came to sacrifice himself for us. The Bible tells us there's no other way we could be saved. There's nothing we could do to save ourselves or make ourselves right with God. We've all sinned. The wages of sin is death, and we're separated from God because of our choices. And so in Hebrews, it tells us it was necessary 
It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the world. And he stepped into my place, into your place when he went to the cross. And this baby, I mean, what a strange picture it is to think about this baby, God in the flesh. He came to earth in order to sacrifice himself for our sins. He went from the cradle to the cross to die for you and for me. And how strange that is. What a strange way to save the world. And it's even stranger if you think about something that Jesus did 2,000 years ago can still change your life today. Perhaps the strangest thing of all as you wrestle with all this is, sometimes I think about this, why wouldn't everyone want to receive this gift? Why wouldn't everyone want to have Jesus in their life and have this forgiveness in a relationship with God? You know, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and some people feel like, well, that's just, that's just too simple. That's just too easy. I got to do it myself. I got I to gotta be a better person. I've kind of got to earn it on my own. I can be good enough. And some people, honestly, they don't understand or believe or quite get who Jesus is. That's why we're here. We're trying to help people connect and, and understand and try to show in him his love. But other people, honestly, I've had people tell me they're really not that bad. They don't really need a savior. Kind of like Sarah. Sarah was this little two-year-old girl. And uh, she'd been fighting with her older sister, her five-year-old sister, and her older sister was trying her best not to, not to get into it with her younger sister, but Sarah was such a brat, she just kept picking at her sister and bugging her and instigating things, and it had just been a terrible, terrible year for her parents. They were just so fed up. Christmas was approaching, and so, so Sarah's mom, she got on the phone. Sarah was right there, she said, Sarah, I've had it. She said, I'm calling Santa. And she called, she called her sister. She called her sister on the phone. And she said, Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Claus, I, I need to talk to Santa about Sarah. Could you put Santa on the line? And so Sarah's uncle came and got on the phone, and, and Sarah's mom told, told Santa all about what Sarah had been doing. And then, then the mom said to Sarah, Sarah, Santa wants to talk to you. <laughs> Sarah's eyes got really big. She gave her the phone, and she's talking. And Santa says, Sarah, I, I've been hearing some things. And, you know, Santa can't bring presents to, to little, little children who aren't listening to their parents, little children who are fighting with their brothers and sisters all the time. Do you understand? Santa's watching. I'll be taking notes, okay? And Sarah's eyes just getting bigger and bigger. She hung up the phone. And Sarah's mom said, well, what did Santa say? She said, Mom, he said my sister won't be getting any presents this year. <laughs> you know, some of us... Some of us, were like Sarah. We just don't get it. We don't realize that we need this gift that Jesus brought us. We think, oh, I'm, I'm good enough. But man, that's why Jesus came for, for you to receive this gift, to, to know him, experience him, have a relationship with him. And you think how strange this story is. It's just so strange that God entrusted his son to just an ordinary man and woman like Mary and Joseph. And enjoy this song from Joseph's perspective. Merry Christmas. I am so happy to celebrate Christmas with my dear church family. I love you. God loves you. And I'm so grateful to our worship team and Pastor Dwayne because they did such a great job sharing the heart of Christmas. That 2,000 years ago, God sent his child to be your very own Christmas gift. But it's kind of a strange gift, right? 
Sometimes it's hard to know, what do I do with God's Christmas gift of Christ sent for me? I'm curious, have you ever received a gift that you weren't sure what to do with it? Kind of reminds me of the pastor. Uh, several years ago, this pastor, he wanted to give his elderly mother a special Christmas gift. Like his mom was getting up in years and she was losing her eyesight. And his mom, her favorite thing to do was to read the Bible. But she, could, she had a hard time reading. So the pastor discovered that there was this parrot who had been trained to memorize the whole Bible. And so he bought this parrot, $12,000. But this parrot, all the mom had to do was ask for chapter and verse and the parrot could recite it perfectly. Well, he's so excited. He sent this parrot to his mom three or four days before Christmas. But he's so excited. He calls his mom on Christmas morning. He says, Mom, Mom, how did you like the special Christmas gift I sent you? And the mom said, oh, son, I loved your gift. That chicken you sent was delicious. <laughs> so, so, hey, you know, here's the deal. That mother, she couldn't see. And she didn't know what to do with the, you know, she, she totally missed the, the point and the purpose of the gift. And, you know, sometimes we do the very same thing with God's Christmas gift to you and to me. And so in my message, what I want to do is I want to share with every one of you two simple things that you can do with God's Christmas gift given to you. They're there on your outline. The first one is to simply open it up and receive it. To receive Christ into your life. To, to receive what he did for you on the cross. To open it up and receive it. Now, now let's be honest. For some of you, Christianity is a strange thing. It doesn't make sense to you. You have a hard time seeing or understanding or accepting it, and you have a lot of questions like, like, how did Jesus do the miracles? And why did he have to die on the cross? And did he really resurrect from the dead? You have so many questions, and here's my Christmas challenge to you. I want to encourage you to do what the shepherds did when they heard the news of Jesus. There on your outline in Luke 2.15, after the angels had told them that a Savior was born, here's what it says. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Now, would you circle those two words, go and see? Like, go check it out for yourself. Don't just take their word for it. Go and see. In fact, do you know that right here at Crossroads, we have a great opportunity for you to go and see and to check things out at your own pace. We have this group called Alpha, and we meet on Wednesday nights, and here's how Alpha is set up. It's kind of like dinner and a movie and discussion, and it's beautiful. What we do is we just share a meal together, and then we watch a, a great video, and then we just talk about it in a like a like a no pressure, go at your own pace. And I want to encourage you, especially if you struggle to know what to do with the gift and you have doubts and questions, I want to encourage you, write alpha on your card. And I will this week I will send you information how you can get connected to our alpha group. But some of you, you here's the deal, some of you may be resistant to receive the gift of Christ because you think the gift of Jesus is a little like this gift. Have you seen this show from the Christmas story? Like little Ralphie, his crazy aunt, sends him a pink bunny suit. 
He didn't like it, didn't want it, and he knew it would make him look silly. That's what some of you think about the gift of Jesus. I don't don't need it. I don't want it. If if I become a Christian, I'm going to look weird. Or some of you, maybe you can relate to what Pastor Dwayne was saying, and you view God as like this angry judge, jury, and executioner. He's just looking down to judge you and punish you. But friends, you know what's funny to me? Jesus came to clear all that up. Because when Jesus talked about God, he called God Father. And can I tell you the gift of having a perfect heavenly father, especially if you grew up in a broken, dysfunctional home, or if you've lost your father, Jesus said, God will be your father. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter. And in this hard world, the truth is we all struggle. We all all have problems. We all need comfort. And Jesus himself, he was called the friend of sinners. Jesus said his gift is he's come to be your father, your comforter, your friend. In fact, here's the message of Christmas. Would you write this down? The message of the manger is joy. It's joy. Do you know right over here on this side of the auditorium, we have 60 different manger things. A lady in our church, she's been collecting mangers all her life. She set up this beautiful display of all these different mangers, but my favorite one is the one that says joy. Because you understand, the gift of Christmas is good news of great joy for all people because your Savior has come. In fact, I love how John 3.17 says it on your outline. It says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to what? Save the world through him and what he did for you on the cross. And it's a gift, friends. It's a gift. And here's the good news. Here's the promise of the gift. It's available to you and to me. All we have to do is reach out and receive it for ourselves. It's what the Bible says in in John 1, 12. It says, but to all who received him, God's Christmas gift of Christ, all who received Jesus into their hearts, check out what it says. He gave the right to become children of God. All they needed to do was to trust him to save them. See, God sent Jesus to be a gift of hope and peace and joy and forgiveness. It's the gift of eternal life, and it's available to you. Will you do the first thing? Will you receive it? The second thing we can do with God's gift of Christmas, would you write this down, is simply to share it. To share it, that's what the angels did. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, would you underline the phrase, I bring you good news. Friends, you understand the angels, they brought it. They brought it. Because this is what I know, good news is for sharing, right? When something really good happens to you, what do you want to do? You want to share it. I mean, little things, like if you find a really good restaurant, you tell all your friends, hey, guys, you got to check out this restaurant. The Afghan cuisine on Fremont Boulevard, oh, man, it is so good. you got to go to this restaurant, man, you're going to love it. Or if you see a great movie, what do you do? You tell your friends, man, have you seen the new Mr. Rogers movie? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friends, Tom Hanks gives such a powerful performance of Mr. Rogers 
and the movie is so heart-touching. Man, you got to see it. It's so good. Or, hey, I literally, I have some really good news for all of you. Do you know the first weekend in December right here, we give a birthday present to Jesus? It helps us remember that Christmas is Jesus' birthday, not ours. And so we give out of love for him to do his work. And so you guys gave it an amazing gift. And I have some good news to share. You want to hear it? How much you gave? Well, hey, take a look right here. $140,000. I applaud you. And guys, it's, here's why it's good news. All this money is going to be used to help people in our community, to start two new churches, to finish our children's wing, and to send a lot of kids to camp. So, man, it's awesome, friends. Such good news. Good news is for sharing. But can I tell you, it's not just the angels that shared good news. Check out what the shepherds did. When, when they went to the manger and then they saw the baby, look what it says on your outline in Luke chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Here's what they did. After seeing him, seeing Jesus in the manger, after seeing him, the shepherds, what? Told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Friends, here's the deal. The angels, they shared the gift. The shepherds, they shared the gift. But let's get real personal. What about you? What about me? In Romans 1.16, it says this, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Friends, I want you to think, if you're a believer... And if you've received the gift of Christ into your heart, I want you to think about who prayed for you? Who invited you to church? Who told you the good news that God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son? That if you would believe in him, you would not perish, but that you would have eternal life. I'm so glad someone shared the news with you. Won't you do the same? Won't you share it? You know, this verse, it makes me think of the true story of a medical missionary who was stationed in India. He served in a region where there was progressive blindness. People were born with healthy vision, but there was something in that area that would cause people to progressively lose their sight as they matured. But this missionary discovered a procedure which would stop their blindness. And so people came from all over the region. He performed this operation, and then they would leave realizing that they had been saved from a life of blindness because of this missionary. And in his story, he said that, that the people, they, they never said thank you because they didn't have that word in their dialect. What they told him is they said a word that meant this phrase, I will tell your name. I will tell your name. Like wherever they went, they would tell people the name of this missionary who had saved them from blindness. See, they had received something so wonderful, they had to share it. And friends, that's, that's how I feel about the gift of Jesus. Like, I'm not ashamed to tell you, Jesus saved me from a life of spiritual blindness. Like, he forgave my sins. He gave me eternal life. And I want to tell everyone I can. How about you? Will you share the news? 
Friends, I, I want to end my message by just pointing back to the show Stranger Things. Because there's a key moment in this show where Will, this little boy, he's being controlled by the Mind Flayer, and his best friend Mike is trying to save him and set him free. And Mike says these loving words to his friend Will. He said, I asked if you wanted to be my friend. And you said, yes. You said, yes. And it was the best thing I've ever done. Well, friends, that's, that's just a show. That's just a show on television. But can I tell you, Jesus Christ, he came to be God's Christmas gift to you. And he came to bring you joy and light and peace and forgiveness. He came to save us and give us eternal life. And on this Christmas 2019, it's as if, as if Jesus Christ himself is reaching out his hand. He's saying, I came to be your friend. I'm asking you, will you be my friend? As I want to tell you, I said yes. It's the best thing I've ever done. And this Christmas, I want to give you a chance to do the same. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with a heart that wants to say yes to Jesus? That says, yes, I want to receive the gift. Would you just say, Jesus Christ, the best way I know how, I open up my heart and I ask you to come into my life. Fill me with your joy and hope and peace and forgiveness. I want to receive your gift. I trust that what you did on the cross was enough to save me. And then also think about that one person in your life. We all have someone we're worried about. Maybe a spouse, a friend, a child, a co-worker. Would you say, God, somehow would you, find, would you open up an opportunity for me to share this good news, this good gift? I promise to pray for them. I promise to invite them. I promise to try to share with them how much you love them. And I will trust that you will work in your life so that they can receive the gift too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.